0: To boost its interest rates up to 18% as it battles against financial collapse. The move is designed to stabilize the And there, economic messages to win the support of undecided voters. Today's sermon is entitled, In the Silence, In the Silence, and what we're going to be talking about today is feeling alone, the truth and reality that encompasses us if we're children of God, about being alone and and the strength by which we do what we do, and I want to talk to you about Jesus Christ. That's what we need to talk about every single Sunday morning. We need to talk about Jesus. I've, I've got a couple of things I want to talk to you about, and I want to show you how Jesus helps us to deal with these things in our life, because the truth of the matter is, is that time, from time to time, we all deal with these things. From time to time, we all feel as if we're not living up, that we are not doing what we're supposed to be doing, and then we start beating ourselves up, we start getting down on ourselves, and... And we look around and we say, I thought I was doing what I was doing, but look at the result. What's going on? What changed? We start evaluating. What changed? What did I do wrong? Where did I go wrong? What, did I say something? Did I say something to offend that person? Did I say something to make them li- not like me anymore? Did I say something to, to make them not want to be around me anymore? And in the church, it, it's things like this. W- what did we do? What did we do that, that there's not as many here this week? Or what did we do that there are as many here this week? You see, if you start taking credit for the good things that God does, then you start beating yourself up when things don't go like you think that they should go. When the whole time, God knows exactly what's going on. This is my struggle. This is your struggle. I want to talk to you about being alone. Feeling isolated like you're on, a, on an island somewhere. you ever feel that way? Am I the only one? Do you ever feel like, You do and do and do and do only to to look up and say God, I've done all of this and look, there's nobody here loving me there's nobody here telling me good job There's, there's no blessing in my life there's nothing like this that would tell me good job, good job and I want to ask, is that okay? is that okay? Let's get into the Word of God. Before we do, let's pray. Jesus, I lift your holy name right now, and I pray, God, that you would allow me to step out of the way, that you would take all distractions out of my mind because I am a human too, and I've, God, you already know that I've dealt with these very things this morning already. God, I pray that I would not be so arrogant as to think that I'm the reason that people come toward you or that they do good things so that I won't fall apart when they don't come toward you and they don't do good things. I am not you, and neither is anyone here. We are not in control. Help us to be okay with that. God, help everyone in this room to know that you are God and for that to be enough. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would break out into this place that you would show us, that you would break down the walls that we've built around our heart, that we are guarded so that you cannot get to that one thing, those two things, those three things. I pray to God that you would destroy those walls today and that heaven would come down, just like the worship team saying. I love you, Jesus, and it is your name that we pray, knowing that it's the only way that anything can be accomplished here with any value this morning. By the powerful name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I want to read a story to you this morning out of the Old Testament. I'll give you a little bit of context with this story. We are looking at, we've looked at several Old Testament stories the past few weeks, and we uh, learned lessons from those stories, and then ultimately we learned what we should learn from those stories, and that is what is this teaching us about Jesus, and how does Jesus work in our lives, through what he's taught in his word, so that we would be stronger, better Christians, so that we would be better people, and that we would be able to lead people to the kingdom in a better way. This morning I want to talk to you about Elijah and, and a little little snippet of Elijah's life and, and his reaction to what happened in his life because I think that most of you here today, some of you came in this room this morning just searching for an answer. You're just looking. You don't know exactly where you're going, what you're doing. You came in this morning wondering, okay, what i'm here you know somebody drug you here this morning somebody somebody lied to you and told you you know we're going to get some coffee and that well i mean we have coffee outside but you know it wasn't what you thought you know maybe that's what happened either way you're here this morning you're wondering okay i'm here then tell me what's going on others of you have come in here this morning and you're you're in pain and you're looking for some relief and you're looking for an answer others of you came in here this morning you're pretty excited you're excited about what's going, what God's doing in your life, and you want, to, you want to know, okay, what's the next step? What's the next step? There's all kinds of reasons that people are here today, and I want you to evaluate those. Some are good, some are bad, some are indifferent. I want to know why you're here today, and I think that's what's God, what God's going to ask us today. Why, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? And I think a lot of us, because of our southern... Uh, culture, Bible belt. We get this mentality of church as a hobby, and you've heard us talk about that a lot of the times. We get into the habit of church and church things and churchiness, and we speak Christianese, and and we feel like that if we just go this way and do this thing and and, and dress a certain way and talk a certain way, that we'll be okay, that we're doing what God has called us to do, and and He should do His part. And all of a sudden, we become... We, we, we start to feel entitled. Well, God, I've lived like you said I should live this week. I have tithed. I put the money in the bucket. What you gonna do? God, I did what I was supposed to do. I worked hard. And for some of the volunteers, it would, it would, it would shape up like this. I got here at 7.30 this morning, and I didn't leave till 1. Where's my blessing? Some of you throughout the week, it would look like this. I prayed Today, where's my blessing? I prayed today. I can't believe, God, you would let this thing come into my life. I can't believe you would let this happen to me, God. You know what you're doing? You know what I'm doing? Because I do that too. I I laid it out for everybody else. Let me me tell you how mine looks. God, I preached the word this week. I got into the word. I I dug something out. I I prepared this week. I got up and preached. Nobody came at all. I can't believe it. God, I worked hard. And nobody came down. There's not as many people here today, God. What are you doing? I did my part. What, what are you, you? dropping the ball, God. Or I'm trying my best, Lord. And, and, and all I get is, is, is flack, and all I just hear problems. And God is saying, Why are you here? What are you doing here? Why are you here today? Are you here for a pat on the back? Are you here to hear a good job? Are you here to 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 get a blessing? Or are you here to get God? Because what I will tell you is is that many, many, many people foolishly go after God for His blessing and not for Him. You know what we call that? Idolatry. God, I will serve you if you give me money. God, I will serve you if you give me peace. God, I will serve you if you give me joy. God, I will serve you if you give good help to my children. And God is saying, me! You remember the story, and this isn't in here, I just felt led to do this. You remember the story of the prodigal son? You know the the biggest problem in that story? It's not that he went out and he was sleeping with hookers and blowing all of his money and acting crazy, eating slop. You know, that's, that's what happens when you do the real problem in the story remember he went to his God in the book of Jeremiah tells the same thing, My, my people have committed two evils, they have forsaken me the fountain of living water and they have hewn out for themselves broken cisterns that won't even hold a drop he went to his father and he says, father I want my inheritance right now, you know what he was saying, I want the money, I want the money you could die for all I care, I want the money understand I've got to understand if you are coming to God with hands held out looking for him to give you something else so you can turn and walk away and say I got what I needed I got what I needed and God's standing over there saying I'm over here you got what you needed why are you here what is your goal what is my goal We've got to radically change what's going on in our lives. We've got to radically change the way that we think and the things that we are going after. It is God who is the goal and not that boyfriend or that girlfriend. God is the goal, not that child. God is the goal, not that money. God is the goal and not that job. What are you after today? We ain't even got started yet. Woo! I'm telling you, we're about to get down. Yeah. I told you. you All right, let's get into the story. I might just get crazy today. Crazier. Thank you, J.D. All right, so let me give you a little backdrop to this story. This prophet Elijah was a pretty cool dude. He was a little crazy, but he was awesome because he had faith. And you got to understand, at this point in his life, he was actually pitted against some false gods like you run up against them all day long. All day long, you see billboards that preach against what you preach if you preach Jesus. You see television commercials and television shows and all kinds of things all day long that say sin is normal. Forget about it. Don't worry about it. Sleep with your girlfriend. Live with them. Do the drugs. It's okay. Take too much prescription medication. It makes you feel good, don't it? Don't treat, you ain't got to treat that woman right. She can't leave, You're married. Dealing with the same thing. Dealing with false prophets, dealing with this, these, these continual lies. But he stood up one day. And as a matter of fact, he was the only one that would stand up this day. And there was 400 prophets of Asherah, and there was 450 prophets of Baal. I may have those inter, interchanged. But there was 850 false prophets and one Elijah. And it was a standoff. It was a standoff. And what he told him was, he said, let me tell you something right now. My God is the one true God, and I'll stand up in... in front of every one of you, knowing that y'all could kill me at any minute if God allowed. But I'm going to stand right here and I'm going to tell you that my God is the one true God. Are you willing to stand in front of everybody else? If you're the only one in the room that says God is the one true God and everybody's looking at you cross side, will you still stand or are you going to sit down? Well, Elijah didn't sit down. As a matter of fact, he says, call all the prophets together. Get more out here. Bring them all up. And see who is the real God. Let's just see whose God is the real God. And so they built an altar. And they put these cut pieces of meat on this altar to offer them to their gods. And all of these false prophets came out. And they started wailing. And they started dancing, doing rain dances and everything else. Trying to get their God to come. And they called and they called and they called. Till they were about to lose their voices. And Elijah the whole time, I love this part of the story. Elijah the whole time was going, man, y'all a joke. If you don't think humor's in the Bible, go read 1 Kings 19. He's like, What's wrong? Did he fall asleep? That's what he said. Is your God napping? And then he told him, He said, Maybe he's taking a tinkle. Come on. He says, Get louder. Get louder. He can't hear you. He's making fun of them. Yeah, that's what he said. You know why? And I'm not telling you to go make fun of people. For their faith. But sometimes that's a joke. Let me tell you something. My God is the king of the universe. And you want to laugh at me? Your God is the joke. That's what we say to the world. Never, ever, ever, ever think that second best is okay for you because you are a child of the king. They are the joke, not you. And so Elijah is laughing. He's saying, you know, tell him to hurry up, get his belt on. Tell him hurry up. He's uh, maybe he's done relieving himself, and they're cutting themselves. They're cutting themselves, and, and you know that we got a problem right now. Cutting in the schools and things like that. You know it's not new. It's not new. They're cutting themselves, crying out to their God. He never came. So when it came Elijah's turn, he's like, all right, now listen, y'all sit over there. You done whatever it was that you were doing. Now I'm gonna call to my God. He said, but before I do. I want you to take a big pitcher of water. They were trying to call down fire. He said, I want you to take a big pitcher of water and I want you to pour it all around my stuff. And I'm sure they were going, what? Water? Water's going to kill the fire. But Elijah knows that circumstances do not determine reality. It is God who is moving. How many of you here need to know that today? How many of you here need to know your circumstances do not determine what God does in your life. It is the faithfulness that you have to him and who he is. God can move no matter the circumstances. So he says, pour a jug on. And this is a big jug. He says, now pour another one on. He says, now pour another one on. Until the water came down on the altar, covered everything, then piled up in a ditch that they had put around it and it was going in circles. Then he called down fire from heaven and it came down, lapped up all the water, burned up all the stuff and even burnt the dirt. One man. And they're all going, Does your life and faithfulness to Christ make the world go? What are you doing here? What are you doing here? Well, after that, Elijah says, take these guys out back. Take care of them. There's no use of God here on this earth. Take care of them. Well, we've not even gotten to the story yet. Jezebel, queen, Ahab goes back and tells her everything that happened. and, And she calls, she sends word to Elijah and says God do the same thing to me that happened to them if I do not make the same thing happen to you the next day and Elijah falls apart one crazy woman so guys I feel your pain you can have a whole army of prophets going we got him and, then, and Elijah's like come with it and then one angry woman he's like oh my god I got to go <laughs> hell knows no fury but anyway he tucks his tail takes off for the hills gone we pick it up here <coughs> he has <coughs> he has actually went and he sitting down by a tree he just wanted to die I'm the last one God I just want to die well it says the angel of the Lord A little quick uh, Bible lesson right here if you're reading your Old Testament. And it says, an angel came and helped him. That's cool. That's an angel, you know. Ah, That's fine. That's an angel. When it says, the angel of the Lord, when it says, the angel of the Lord, and I've studied every instance I can find in the Bible, it is Jesus. It is called a Christophany. And when it says, the angel of the Lord, that is Jesus making an appearance in the Old Testament. And one day I'll show you that and why I believe that. But it is. You go and read it because people don't worship angels. Okay? And angels don't speak as if they are God. So you go and read it. It says the angel of the Lord came and ministered himself to Elijah. And he fed him and he said get up and keep going boy. Don't stop now. Don't stop now. And here's where we are. Then he came to a cave in lodging And we are in 1 Kings 19.21. There came... There he came to a cave and lodged in it, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, he wrapped his face in the cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave and behold there came a voice to him and said what are you doing here Elijah people of God what are you doing here he said I have been very jealous for the Lord the God of hosts for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant thrown down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword and I even I only am left and they seek my life to take it away and the Lord said to him, "Go, return on your way and the wilderness to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael to be king over Syria, and Jehu the son of Nimshi shall anoint you shall anoint to be king over Israel, and Elisha the son of Shaphat and El Mahala you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. And the one who escapes from the sword of Hazael shall Jehu put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha put to death. Yet I will leave, listen to this part, it's important. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. Before we get into this, what did, I, what did Elijah say? I've wor- he, in so many words, my paraphrase, he said, I've been working my tail off, God. I have been busting my hump. I have been getting it done only to find out that I'm all alone in this thing. And they're trying to kill me now. And if they kill me and I'm the only one, then the whole thing's done. And God's going, oh, Elijah. There's 7,000 in Israel. Was he really alone? Was he really alone? It's a lie of the enemy get in to these points i want to show you a few things here i think number one through this text we see god wants to know what you're doing here god wants to know what you're doing here and the bottom line is is that he asked he asked elijah this he's asking you this we've talked about it a little bit but he wants to know what are you doing here what is your purpose in life and when i say what are you doing here i don't mean just in this auditorium right now although i do I don't just mean in your life, although I do. I mean, what are you doing on this planet? What is this for? Is it so that we can do the nine to five and go to work and make some money, come home, eat, brush our teeth, do our our nighttime routine, take a shower, tuck our kids in, go to bed, get up, do the nine to five? Is that what this is about? What are you doing here? Does your life have meaning and purpose and drive? Do you have a goal? Do you, is there a finish line? And what is his name? What are you doing here? <clears throat> you see, that's what he asked Elijah because you've got to understand, it was just back, just a little bit earlier in the text, that Elijah had had this amazing thing happen in his life. That he had called down fire from heaven. He had done the impossible and defeated through the power of God eight hundred and fifty prophets and slay them with the sword proving to everybody who the one true God was and now he's hiding in some cave where he can't be of any use going I'm all alone I'm all alone you see this roller coaster of emotions mountaintop yeah baby yeah we're doing it we're getting it going we're we're, on fire we're on fire then in the next minute nobody loves me does anybody else recognize this from your life like three people anybody else honestly isn't it like that in the christian life so much like that <clears throat> you got to ask yourself this question have your emotions and circumstances outwitted your logic Have your emotions and circumstances outwitted your logic? Because the fact of the matter is, Elijah should have been able to step back, look at this, look at this threat from Jezebel and say, I just slay 800, well, God just slayed 850 prophets. 850 prophets. What is this one? What do you got? Come on. Even if you kill me, what are you going to do? God is God. There is no other. Like Daniel and the lion's den Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You see, even the greatest prophets have their moment of weakness. So will you. So will you. But at this moment, his emotions and his circumstances were outplaying and and winning out over his logic and what he knew to be true. You see, I hear all the time people saying, Follow your heart. Follow your heart. Baloney. Baloney. You do not follow your heart. And I said it from the stage and it's on camera. Do not follow your heart. You lead that sucker. Amen? Do not follow your heart. You lead your heart. Because your heart is pretty stupid. It has no brain. Your brain is a brain. Do not follow your heart. You lead your heart. If you're involved in a relationship and it is killing your love for God but your heart says, but I just think that he is the one that God has for me. No, he's not. God's not going to be like, here, take this. It's an antidote for me. No. If you've got a person in your life that is destroying a relationship with God, put foot to tail. Amen? Is that okay to say up here? They got to go. A boyfriend that is tearing you away from God, he got to go. A girlfriend that's tearing you away from God, he got to go, she got to go. Don't be scared. God's got to be number one. We cannot be led by our heart. Listen, you've got to think about what God's done in your life. All the time in the New Testament it says we need to remember and think on the things of God so that we won't go astray. You got to continually to remember what God's done in your life so that you won't go off course. You got to continually remember the power of God because we are very forgetful people. And Peter, as he's preaching in one section of the scripture, he says, I know I've already told you, but this, I know I've already told you this, but it's okay because we all need reminded. We've got to be reminded on a continual basis. And I, I'll never forget a, a preacher told me one time as I first started out, he says, you, don't, you never forget. You cannot just preach to the people. You've got to preach to yourself as well. You've got to do the same thing. You've got, to pre- you've got to get up every day. Take this to the bank. Take this to the bank. This is maybe one of the best practical advices you'll ever get in your life because it was mine. You get up every morning, you preach the gospel to yourself every morning. You get up every morning, you preach the gospel to yourself every morning. I don't care if you've got to stand in front of the mirror like Robert Farmer does before he does announcements. If anybody's ever went to the bathroom, you will see Robert. And he's going, Christmas in action. We got Christmas in action. Hey, that's why you got to do it. You got to lead yourself. Who's going to lead you? You got to lead yourself. You got to give yourself over to God. And you got to get up. And and I don't care if you got to get in front of the mirror. You look in the mirror, you say, this life is not about you. It's not about how much money you make. It's not about how much success you have. It's not about how many people like you. It's about how you love and show the glory of Jesus Christ to everyone around you, even if it means your pain. Because sometimes your pain shows best His glory. Amen? That's what I'm talking about. That's true Christianity right there, baby. And I'm not apologizing, and you shouldn't either. Listen, we go on and we say... The second thing is, the emotional roller coaster is not of God. You know, you see, it is common in Christians, but it is not of God. Just because a bunch of Christians do it do, does not mean it's right. I'll go ahead and tell you that right now. okay? Just because a bunch of Christians do it does not mean it's right. And not just with this. The emotional roller coaster is not of God. God wants you to, now it is. It is inevitable, I think, until we meet Christ, and He completely washes sin away. You see? We may have been relieved of the penalty of sin but we are still dealing with the power and the presence of sin. Okay, And the power is continually losing ground. The closer you get to Christ and that's the three Ps. I don't really have time to get into that. But you have the penalty, the power and the presence. If you know Christ penalty is gone. Take it away. If you know Christ, the power is continually being eaten into the closer you get to Jesus Christ until the power is gone. And in the presence of sin, when we meet him face to face in full adoption Romans chapter 8, the the presence will be gone too. There is no sin, there is no tears, there there is no unhappiness in heaven. Sin is completely dealt with. So I do believe that we will deal with this as we walk toward Christ, but I don't think that it is impossible to overcome because with God all things are possible. You see, the emotional roller coaster, meaning that we go up and down, up and down, that's not of God, that we need to get past that. You know why we do that? And I might be getting a little ahead of myself, but you know why we do that? It's because of, it is because of our goal. It is because of our reasoning. It is because of our foundation. It is because of our security. It is because of our identity. And what I mean by all of that is this. If you find your joy and your peace and your happiness and your identity and all those things, if you find them, if you find yourself wrapped up getting them in anything other than God, you are about to come down the roller coaster. Does that make sense? If you start getting your security and you get your I'm okayness from anything other than God, you're about to take the plunge on the roller coaster. Because what happens is, and we've talked about this, storms reveal our idols, pressures reveal our idols, and it reveals our faithfulness and our love for God. But what happens is, <clears throat> we'll have a good experience, okay, like the men's retreat or the ladies' night. We'll have a good experience, and it'll be great, and it'll be of God, and we'll, we'll shoot up on this mountaintop, and oh, God is so wonderful, God is so wonderful. Look at, look at that thing over there. And what happens is, as we are intertwining with God, instead of keeping our eyes focused on God, we take our eyes off of Him and we put it on even something that may be good. Maybe it's one of God's blessings. Maybe it's something that God has put in your life that is good but not meant to be ultimate. And then we take our eyes off of God and we put them on that thing and we get our hope and our joy. Then it starts to shift from God to this thing. Well, is there anything in here, and this is okay, is there anything is there anything in here? Is there anything in this world? Is there anything in existence in existence that is eternal besides God? Anything? So does that mean that anything you put your hope into will eventually fail? Therefore, crash. If you get your hope and your pleasure and your joy from an eternal God that never changes, He is the same today, yesterday, and forever, does your hope, security, and your self, does it it change? Does your identity change? If it is found in in the eternal God, does it change? No. It never changes. God never changes. Your identity in that God never changes. You get to go, whoop, Is there a top to God. Is there a top to God? Is he infinite? Is he eternal? Never ending. His blessings never end. His joy never ends. You see, the the most awesome place you've ever been in your life, closest you've ever been to God, there's there's an awesome truth to that. It's only scratching the surface. God has new avenues and new steps and new power readily available for you at the taking. We foolishly bear tap in me included God wants to blow your mind on a daily basis and do things through you I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit I believe in the gifts I believe that people can actually be healed I believe that I believe that God still works I don't believe he's changed I believe that he does it when he wants to and I believe a lot of it is held back because we do not believe that we do not have enough faith And that there is a whole nother level. There's a whole nother gear. we were playing football yesterday, and um, we've got a couple of different runners on the team. And one of them, his name's Terrell Edwards, and that boy's got some wheels. I mean, he can run. Like his his number's five, but I think he's probably eight years old, seven years old, seven years old. And he's just got a he's just got a he's got an eye for the field. He can run. He do spin moves. He'll be making people look silly. I mean, it's awesome. And I'll be running down the sidelines looking really silly, too. Like, <laughs> I mean, that was kind of silly right there, but you should have seen it yesterday. It was on a bad ankle coming down like this. <laughs> well, we got another guy on the team, too, who I love to death. And he's a little bigger. He's our bulldozer, but he's not that fast. Well, it just so happened on defense that he stripped the ball yesterday. And he's running, and he's bigger. And he's running down the field, and he's like, Bruh. And I'm like, hit another gear, hit another gear, touchdown, touchdown. Nope. <laughs> Tackled him from behind. Nobody gets caught from behind in Little League. Nobody. Because they're gone. They're gone. Except my big boy. He's running. He needed to hit another gear. But he didn't have another gear. You know what I'm saying? That was like pedal to the metal. You know, if he could have, he have said, it's all I got, coach. It's all I got. <laughs> but you see, God never says, that's all I got. God never says, sorry, that's all I got. God's more like this. You want some more? I got plenty. I can't put it all on you right now because it would destroy you, but I got as much as you can handle. That's a good word right there. I, I got as much as you can possibly handle. How much can you handle? And the question God would have is, how, how, how much time are you willing to spend on your face? How much time are you willing to spend with your face in the Word of God? How much, how much will you sacrifice the things of the world in order to get me? Kill those things so that I may live through you. You see, the emotional roller coaster is not the will of God. God wants us to go. All the way until we get to heaven. People think that heaven is, is the goal, that heaven is, you know, that heaven's what it's all about. It's not. Jesus is what it's all about. And the only thing that's good about heaven is Jesus is there in person, live, and in action. And we get to be fully with him then. That's the only thing. You see, we can be more and more and more and more and more with him. You see, Jesus Christ said heaven, is, heaven has come down. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's already started, guys. If you're not tapping in, you're missing out. Let's move on. Because God wants to know what you're doing here. So I'm I'm telling you right now, you've got to rearrange your priorities. Even those of you who love God, because I know there are good, God fearing men and women in this room who love Jesus and you're pressing after him. But I'm telling you, myself included, there's not one of us who this truth doesn't, doesn't reach. We all have another gear. Because God, his gears are endless. There is no limit. You need to hit another gear. You say, well, Brandon, I'm doing all I can. I am not talking about what you do. We're about to see that here in just a second, though. Second point, God is not impressed in the the same ways as us. God is not impressed in the same ways we are. God is not impressed in the same ways as us. You see, there was a problem here, and there was a reason that, just like I told you, Elijah comes down on the downswing of his emotional roller coaster. So he had been able to be a part of something amazing, but I guarantee you Elijah took too much credit for that thing that happened with the prophets because I can just see him now. I think I'm probably a lot like Elijah. i would be like, where's your God? He's in the bathroom. Yeah. Come on, call to him a little louder. Yeah, yeah, see? <laughs> and then it didn't happen. I'm like, take care of these guys. What's up? <laughs> you know, that's what I would have done. That's what I would have done. But get him out of here. And God, as soon as that chest came out like that, God would be like, man, you was almost there. Because God's going to then say, get off my throne. I'm going to say, yes, sir. (laughs) How many times do you do something good only to turn around wanting glory from it? How often do I do that? You know, you come to this church, you come to that church, you go wherever you want to go, and you work your tail off, and I so appreciate it. But the minute that you start expecting a pat on the back, you have gone after the wrong thing. There, C.S. Lewis, one of my favorites, says, humility is not self-loathing or self-deprivation. It's not thinking less of yourself. True humility is thinking of yourself less. It's not we beat up ourselves or that we... Desire to be pumped up. It's just that we don't really think about ourselves. It's not about us. We're not really thinking about it all the time. Did you catch that? True humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's not beating yourself up. That's just another form of pride. True humility is not thinking, of your, it's not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less often. Uh, someone who's truly humble, and this is not in here, so really quickly. Someone who is truly humble, you don't think, oh, man, that dude needs, man. Poor guy's working himself to death. It's not true humility. And it's not, man, that guy, he's awesome. He's awesome. You know what true humility does? It makes people where they're not even seen. You don't even know they're there. Because they're not needing anything from you. They're not needing your sympathy or your praise. They just do what they do. Because their goal and their reward is not your praise, but it is God himself. It's God himself. God is not impressed in the same ways as us. You say, why don't you, you go there right now, Brent? I want, you to think about, <clears throat> I want you to think about this thing with Elijah. He had just been a part of this amazing thing. <clears throat> and now all of a sudden, he's in some cave somewhere all by himself in the dark. Oh, poor pitiful me. Oh, wow, poor, you know, oh, my goodness. Uh, there's nobody but me. Listen to what he says. God asks him, says, what are you doing here? What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, you see that double emphasis? Even I, the only one, me, me, I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. You see what happened here? You see, Elijah thought that his great actions should have meant more. And this might look like a good thing. You see, Elijah had said, look at what just happened, and now they're trying to kill me? See, we don't think of our sin like we should. What he was really saying was that, God, you let me down. I cannot believe you didn't do more than that, God. God. You mean to tell me that, that we just did this thing and, and 850 prophets were shown to be stupid and then they died by the sword so that your glory would be, would be made manifest? And it wasn't. God, you're really stupid. What are you doing, God? I can't believe this. I can't believe this. Why? You didn't do it like I thought you should do it. And God's like, you, you got no idea. God's like, Elijah, who, who set the sun? Who makes the moon reflect the sun? Who who tells it to go to bed at night? Do you think that you've got perspective to tell me that you're alone and that I didn't do it right? How many of us come in here and we say, well, look how hard I've worked this week. How many times have I said, I've been trying and trying and trying and trying and all I get is problems. As a matter of fact, I think I said that very thing last week. I was talking to someone and say, and this is what I said. I'm going to be honest. Is this, is this an okay place to not be okay? I'm a sinner too, in case you were wondering. Last week I was talking to someone. And I was like, you know, I just wish that with as much great stuff that's going on at the well that I could hear about that sometimes instead of just hearing about people's problems and hearing about things that are going wrong in the well because the well's not perfect. But you know, God's like, Who's running this show? Who, who's calling the shots? So this sermon is for me if it's not for anyone else. You see, Elijah thought that it should have meant more. It should have been bigger. You got you know, you, let me... Because let me, when, when God showed me this, I was just like, man, that is crazy. That is crazy because I want you to understand something. Most of us in this room... Now, write this down if you're taking notes. Most of us in this room think that we get closer to God or that He loves us more by the things that we do. Most everyone in the room thinks that we get closer to God and that He loves us more because of the things that we do. And the bigger the things, the more we should have from Him. The more extravagant the action, the more He owes us. You see the problem with this. But God showed Elijah... I'm not caring about the, I'm not, I don't care about those things. Because what did he do? <clears throat> Listen to what he says. After Elijah said these huge big things, look at these big things I've done. God goes out and he shows him big things. Listen to what he says. He said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And in my translation, I say, go out here, let me show you Something. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke into pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper, a still small voice. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him that spoke. You see... Word of the day, if you think that coming to the will and serving is going to be what gets you closer to God, you will be sorely disappointed. If you think that coming and working really hard is what gains you access to God the Father, you will leave empty handed. It is not in the big actions that God is impressed. He does not need your money. He does not need your talents and your abilities. Can He use them? Yeah. But He doesn't need you to come with all of this stuff. Throw that stuff to the floor and get on your face. Because God is worshipped with our hearts. You see, God, and he came and Elijah said, look at these big things I've done. Look at, this should have meant something to you, God. And God said, go out there and stand. And what God did is he came by and he ripped the mountains apart. Elijah, you see this big thing? I'm not in that. And he came and there was an earthquake that shook the whole earth. Huge. Elijah's not about the big things. I'm not in that. He came in a great fire, just rose up out of nowhere. Nobody can do these things. Do you come here or do you go out into that world and say, nobody else here could do this anyway. I'm the only one. Somebody should be giving me something. Pat on the back. Hey, couldn't nobody organize this like I do. Hey, can't nobody do this job like I do. How many of you bosses can't hardly stand to have to deal with you because you are never satisfied? never satisfied and God came out and did three things that no one could do no one but he wasn't in those things the presence of God was not in those things the presence of God is not in the things that you do with your hands he is in your conversations with Christ when no one is looking you see it you see it He had just destroyed 850 prophets. And what God is saying to him in so many words is, You should have got on your face and said, Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that I got to be a part of this. Thank you that I got to see you move. They can kill me now. Let Jezebel come. I got to see God move. It's the little things. It's the little things in life that everyone in the room guard the little things. Get on your face before God and whisper to him and talk to him. And you might be swinging a hammer. We got a lot of good stuff going on like that. I'm just telling you, it's not, it's not the way that you're going to get him to love you more. He cannot love you any more than he did on the cross. It is the relationship. Let's go to that next one because that's, that says that. What he says is, he says, God knows what you're doing. God is not seen most of the time in the spectacular, but the relational. Let me put that up there. God is not seen most of the time in the spectacular, but in the relational. It is in the love. You can go out and do all kind of stuff, but would God come behind you and say, I wasn't even in that. Go out and spend $10,000 on 10 homes. But if that's all we do, Dust and smoke, gone. That's why I'm telling you, those of you who could come and sit and speak Jesus into the lives of these would be doing way more than the guys swinging hammers. And I pray that the guys swinging hammers would be saying, this is in Jesus' name. My goal is Christ. My goal is Christ. God is not seen most of the time in the spectacular, but the relational, the love. He's seen in the love. The third and final point, and I'm going to make this brief. We're going to get out of here quick. I just need you to see Jesus because if you're like me, you should be sitting out there going, that's right. That's what I'm going to do. But would you agree that I'm I'm just like you? I'm going, where do I start? Where do I start? Right? I mean, we are doing people. Right? We are doing people. You say, you say, well, I can't get closer by doing, so what do I do? Does <laughs> that make sense? Yeah, I, I, I need to do something, don't I? In, in the book of John, and um, it's one of my favorite verses, in uh, John, the Gospel of John, chapter 6, he says, they want to know what to do. What is the work of God? That is the question. What is the work of God? And you know what he tells them? The work of God is this, to believe in the one whom he sent. Your job. What you do is believe. You say, well, I said the prayer. Believe with your life. Believe with your heart. Believe with your mind. Believe with your feet. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? It is time for us to change the things that we do, not so that we can get God but because we've gotten God and there are many in here that have probably went to church 5, 10, 15, 20 30, 40 years and you've been doing and doing and doing and doing and doing and doing and doing but you thought that God was in the doing you thought that God was in the earthquake you thought God was in the wind you thought God was in the fire but you never stopped doing so that you can hear Him so that you could see him, so that you could get in touch with him, and then let the dude flow out of that. See, the last point is, God knows you are not alone. He thought he was alone, but God knows you're not alone, and there's a lot of you out here this morning thinking you're on an island somewhere, thinking that there's nobody else like you, thinking that there's... There's nothing for you to do. There's no power. There's no there's nowhere for you to go. What do I do, friend? I, I want to, I want the things that you say, but I, I don't know where to go. The place for you to go is on your knees. And as we all stand to our feet and as the lights come down a little, this is my plea to you. I am not suggesting today. That you got to do a whole lot more stuff. I'm pleading with you to maybe stop doing some stuff. Is that dangerous for a church planning preacher to say when we depend on about 50 volunteers? You know what? If you're volunteering for this church is going to kill your relationship with God, I need for you to leave the volunteer position get on your face in the service and worship. But if your volunteering is coming out of your relationship with God, do what God is to do. Be you. That's wonderful. It's not about what we do. It's about who we know. And you see, God knows that you're alone. I want to tell you something right here. You see, we often carry ourselves away with self-pity and self-loathing. Let's go and put those other two. God is always bigger than we want to allow Him to be. God is always bigger than we want to allow Him to be. You see Elijah in the cave when no one was looking is crying out to God saying, God, I've done all of these things. I've done all of these things and look what it's gotten me. Look what it's gotten me and God is saying, I just tore apart a mountain with the wind. I just created an earthquake, a blazing fire just so I could whisper in your ear. Look where it's gotten you. Yeah, look where it's gotten you. What are you looking at? Why are you here? It's the real prize right there. And you can't see it because you're looking over there. God is the prize. And God knows you're not alone. And He's bigger than you want to allow Him to be because you're scared to death. But it's time for us to come out of that cave. It's time for us to come out of that cave. And let me tell you how we know that we are not alone. Listen. The truth of the matter is, you can be the last person on earth. As long as you know Christ, you will not be alone. You will never be alone. How do you know that? Some of you have never thought about this before. The gospel is, is that God himself came to rescue you. He came so that you would not be alone. How did he do it? How do you know that you're not alone? How do you know, how do you know that you can trust God is always there and God will never leave you and he will be the good prize how do you know that it's worth it to never take your eyes off how do you know that in the end it won't end up just being you holding the bag how do you know how do you know how can you laugh at other gods and say you're the joke my king lives how can you know i'll tell you how you can know it's not it's not the hurricane it's not the earthquake it's not the fire Baby. God never comes how we think he's going to come. The whole world was expecting the Savior to come with a roaring army and destroy Rome and kill everybody in sight and take over. But just like in the Old Testament, still small boys, he came as a baby in a manger, Like no one would have expected. And he grew into a man, the God man, who said i will come and i will be with them you know emmanuel you know what it means god with us i will come and i will be with them and though the whole world may turn their back and walk away i will be with them god himself coming down to be with us god with us the bible says that he will never leave us he will never forsake us though the storms rage and so everything's crumbling around us he is there he'll never leave and the world can be as loud as it can possibly be, but if you will just be still and know that He is God, you will hear Him whisper, I will never leave. I will never forsake. And the way that we know it is, is that if He was going to leave, if He was going to forsake us, if He was going to stop it, He would have done it at the cross. There's no more for Him to pay. There's no more for Him to pay. He's paid it all. John the Baptist says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He's paid the ultimate price, and he was hanging on the cross, and everybody was looking at him saying, come down from there if you're, the, if you're the God you say you are. And he's looking you in the eye today, and he says, I can't. I won't. Because I will never leave them. This is the only way. And he lasted the entire time, and he never came down off the cross. God is calling to you today and he's saying do not be alone you've got people that have left you you've got world that has turned its back on you God has not left the ultimate way that we know is not only that he did not come down off the cross but that he was the only one that was willing to spend and experience eternal aloneness so that you would never have to be alone you see as jesus christ cried out on the cross my god my god why have you forsaken me he was all alone truly alone so that you could be ushered into the presence of god and never have to be alone again never have to be alone again it is the great exchange are you standing alone are you standing alone and if you are Would you allow him to be the one who's standing alone so that you would be forever in his presence? God is doing an amazing thing here today in somebody's heart. And at this time, I want you to come and lay down your busyness at the altar. I'm going to have to go down myself. Slow down. Hear from God. Know God. Go with God. Do not fool yourself that the things you are doing is enough. It is not. God is the goal. God is the prize. He is worth it. If you know Him, if you will come to Him, you will never be alone again. Never. Because He was forsaken and alone. Therefore, you will never have to be alone. I'm here for you. I'm here for you. Please Come. Please come now and lay your troubles at the altar. Maybe lay your life down and come. Who would come? Who would come?